0: Swallows of the South is a proud member of the RPG Academy Network. Hello, and welcome to Swallows of the South. I'm Quinn Wilson, storyteller, and welcome to part one of The Fall of Shazrad. This is the first episode in our eight-week run with the Orpheus Protocol's very own Rob Stith. If you haven't heard about The Orpheus Protocol, I highly recommend you check it out. It is a wonderful game that mixes action and horror, as well as some really, really great suspense, character development, and acting, as well as tip-top production values. If you like Swallows, I can almost guarantee that you'd like The Orpheus Protocol, so please check it out. In addition to that, I wanted to thank Argyle Prime for their 5-star review over on iTunes and Kyle Thomas for their generous contribution on Patreon. Thank you both so much. Each five-star review helps get the word about us to more new listeners, and each contribution on Patreon helps us keep the show afloat and going, paying things like hosting costs, etc. They also allow us to spend some time working on additional projects, including short fiction that Josette has been writing, and we also have some from John to share in the near future, so look forward to that. Now... Without further ado, let's get started. No crawl this week. You're gonna go straight to the action. We open at dawn. The slowly, subtly moving waves of the Dreaming Sea... Reflect red and orange light as it bounces off of their wave caps. We pan across the surface of this sea in the south of creation. We see the gulls, herons, and other birds that make the sea their home flying near the surface of the water. Following these birds, we then Pan out to the vast stretches of plains and savanna at the edges of the Dreaming Sea. Sweeping across these, we see many creatures, quoll lions, Yedim lions, ostrex, etc., as we come closer and closer to a jagged canyon carved of deep red rock. Following the curves of this Impossibly vast, incredibly deep canyon, we see a sliver of a trail carved into the side of the canyon. Enough space to walk, but barely. This path leads to the narrow opening of a small cave inside of the canyon. The darkness inside slowly begins to give way to patches of morning sunlight on the other side. As it opens to a vast plateau on which pestle tails and tyrant lizards and river dragons can be seen roaming and frolicking. The walls of the canyon still ring this place, but seclude it from the sight of those not specifically informed how to get here. Overlooking the waking of the world at this particular place is a man. This man is Alsaeus. He's been here for a long time. Maybe at this point he's not even certain exactly how long. It is not home, but it is beginning to feel more present than home. Perhaps more real than home ever was. What does Alceus look like?
1: Alceus is perhaps six, three and a half or so. Broad-shouldered in what would be a swimmer's build were it not slightly too heavy for that in its musculature. He has long, rather tangled brown hair and a somewhat too long, rather ill-kept beard. He looks quite rough, not sick or sickly, just like someone who has not thought about the idea of his own appearance for a very long time. He wears tattered rags that are very oily because though he does wash his clothing. All he has is water. There's no way to make soap here. And the disreputable state of his clothing displays an enormous scar that runs from his right shoulder to his left hip. It's quite wide and jagged, clearly made by something less elegant than a cutting tool. And his eyes, which change to reflect the color of the ocean, are missing the normal sheen of vitality, maybe of hope. He seems very far away from himself, and used to being alone, and with nothing to occupy him. He seems bent on merely existing.
0: And so it is, on this morning, in the spirit of maintaining his simple existence, that he is up for The spoils of his last hunt have finally run dry. The skeletal, stripped remains of an impossibly large reptilian creature sit around the corner of this place that Alcius has made his home. Today is hunting day. Like many others, it begins early and will require, if not effort, at least time. What do you do?
1: Alcius looks over the depleted store of meat and marrow on which he's been subsisting and tidies up a little bit around the cave. He likes to come home from a hunt to a home or something like it where he can get to work dressing and preparing his food quickly and without stumbling over anything. And he looks over also the in-progress attempt to at tanning some of this reptilian hide to make more clothing or perhaps a covering for the cave opening to keep the rain from coming in. He doesn't really know how to do any of this, but he has nothing but time. And so he does just keep trying. And you can see the remnants of less successful attempts sort of stuffed back into the back of this place. And he makes sure that everything is in order. Stretches his body out in a very regimented, very systematic series of stretches designed to improve his mobility and like start blood flow to his limbs almost a yogic kind of series of movements that seem rather at odds with the savagery of his living conditions it's clearly something that he learned elsewhere and he slows as he moves through this series of stretches because the effort of the regimen itself is not as severe as the increasing difficulty of warding off the memories that come with it, which is something that he can't deal with if he has to go hunt today, because the things that he must hunt sometimes are quite a threat. So he remains focused, if a bit slow, and makes his way to the tunnel from which he exits the canyon.
0: I believe that in this canyon, on one of the bases, there is something of a mark Alcius has left, is that correct? More than that.
1: This is a perhaps a unwise indulgence of nostalgia, but Alcius has, over a very long period of time, created a kind of mural on the far wall of the canyon with natural pigments that he's been able to harvest from local plants and animals that he has hunted, depicting a handful of small scenes. But made at a large scale because his hands are clumsy and not well-suited to art. So they're in kind of a mosaic mode where the individual strokes are not terribly important. And if he's a little bit unskilled, the overall picture can still emerge at a distance. And there is a somewhat rudimentary portrait of what must be in life a very beautiful, younger, middle-aged woman. And you can see that she is, in fact, a marrow, a uh, mermaid rather than a human. And the intent, the admiration shows through even if it is not terribly skilled. Nearby, there is a portrait of two young boys, also merfolk, one dark of hair and one slightly larger, with brown rather than black hair playing, seeming to chase one another. And there is a much more stylized and jagged, angular portrait of a muscular, bearded merman on a throne of coral. And you can see that on the surface of that portrait are numerous deep pockmarks where Alcius has struck the stone in anger as he worked giving it a kind of warped affect.
0: And so it is with the large amount of shade provided by this enclosed portion of the canyon and the waking light of the dawn that the portrait of the woman is being touched by the warm red and orange light and from her fading past the children into this menacing figure Shadows deepen into blues, to purples, almost to blacks. As Alsaeus descends to begin his resigned work, go ahead and please give me a perception plus survival roll, and the results on that are basically going to determine the speed at which you are able to track and determine your prey, as well as the particular type of prey that you are going to be Best able to track on this particular day.
1: Going to use sensory acuity prana.
0: Eight successes. As you are stepping from the red stone of this path down to the soft, cushioned grass below, it's not terribly long before you find ox dragon tracks and some leavings. You've hunted ox dragons before. They offer you a challenge. They're large beasts, but the challenge has commensurate rewards. Not only does it have enough meat to last you for weeks, if not months, its two enormous horns and the skin and leather on the large frill that sits around its head make for excellent building materials. You set about your tracking. And it doesn't take long for tracks to give way to a more steady stream of trampled grass leading to a copse where it appears to still be asleep, not yet roused by the morning sun. John, at this point, I would actually like for you to go ahead and make me a Dex plus Stealth Roll.
2: All right.
0: That's a big old one success. Perfect. And I'm not going to ask Josette that you roll the same unless you would like to.
3: Sure, let me roll my stealth of one.
0: (laughs) That's, yeah. You could beat him very easily.
3: (laughs) Theoretically, okay, it's dex and stealth. Yeah. Yeah. I get five dice on that.
0: The higher result is what will determine the difficulty to find you. Five Five is good.
3: Five is good. Five on five is very good.
0: Alceus, go ahead and give me a wits plus awareness roll to see if you can determine that this ox dragon is not all that is here.
1: All right. That is six successes.
0: Okay. So, John and Josette, why don't you give me a quick description of your characters and where they are hiding relative this ox dragon, and Alcius.
2: I am Abathar, and I am currently hiding within the brush. And when you first see him, it looks almost like he has covered himself in some sort of camouflage paint. But as he notices that his prey has picked up where he is, he sort of loses the pretense of hiding and begins to stand. And as he stands, the mottled greens and browns that made up his skin start to change in color to a much more natural cocoa color. And he seems to have not quite scales for skin, but it is definitely ridged and you can see as he changes the color on his skin that it's almost as if he were himself a chameleon. And even apart from that, his own eyes seem slightly too large and a little too far apart, giving him a much larger area that he can swivel around and look at. And as he begins to come out from the bushes... A nictating membrane flicks across his eyes.
3: Muzania was hiding in the brush, but a different part of it, a couple dozen or so feet away from their brother, Abby. And they had burrowed under the brush and into the roots in the dirt a little bit. Their skin is very hedgehog-like in the sense that it almost looks like it's covered in, like, fine, small quills. They're very pear-shaped, and their quills have some black and red coloring to them. That's them.
0: So, Alceus. As you have begun to close in on this sleeping ox dragon, this chameleonic figure has emerged from the brush and you can see movement and agitation in the brush behind him. What do you do if you make any loud, sudden movements? Surely the ox dragon will wake.
1: Alcius phrases in hesitation at first. He had not made any real attempt at further stealth beyond simply walking quietly because he saw that his quarry was not watching for him so he's just silhouetted to the sunset at the top of a rise impossible to miss if you're looking and he briefly considers trying to hit the deck or go down behind the rise again and realizes that it's far too late but he sees how close these two strangers are to the ox dragon And simply looks from one to the place where he assumes the other is. Because that first stranger that he saw did not react to that movement. And sort of raises his hands halfway in kind of a okay what now movement. Because they are in a very dangerous position. And while he doesn't want any contact with strangers... He's not really going to sentence two people he doesn't know to being eaten just because he doesn't know what's going on.
2: Avatar looks up to the silhouetted figure, puts a finger to his lips in a shush motion, and begins confidently and very quietly walking his way up as he motions backward. To where Muzania is motioning them forward.
3: They very smoothly roll out of the dirt at the bottom of the brush and creep along the floor behind.
2: Getting to the top of the rise there, away from the sleeping beast, Abathur will finally begin speaking. Ah, well, you did see our cunning little area where we were hiding. I had hoped to make this slightly more of a game, but here we are. Alcius finds that it's
1: very difficult to speak. He hasn't done so in a very long time. He clears his throat, then looks down at the dragon to make sure that he wasn't too loud.
0: I am actually going to ask for a charisma plus stealth in order to maintain the silence of this conversation against the ox dragon's perception.
3: Do we all have to roll and we take the highest? Well, whoever's
2: or talking. You haven't said anything yet.
1: I don't have stealth. Go ahead and
0: tell me your results.
2: All right. Uh, Abathar has three.
0: LCS has two.
3: Zayn has one.
0: All right. And here's that ox dragon. That is two successes. I'm going to say that for now... Abathar is able to determine the places where voices are being raised too loud or where movement is creating noise or sensation that the ox dragon might pick up and is able to correct that in time that the slightly less aware or able Muzinia and Elsieus are able to keep the creature asleep. But there are times where, lightly, it seems to begin to stir. You have time but perhaps not that much. What do you do?
1: How rare or good is this situation in terms of hunting? Like finding this kind of creature and having it to sleep? The question is like weighing my suspicion of people here versus like how important it is to take advantage of this opportunity.
0: Yeah, so ox dragons, you've probably killed one or two in the time that you've been here. They are large. Often, if they have company, be they mother-pup pairings or packs or anything like that, they become significantly harder to isolate and kill. So it's not a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but this is probably the only chance you'll get to get not only this meat, but these supplies for shelter and crafts work for months yet.
1: So Alcius shuffles his way to a point where he can see all three other (laughs) beings at the same time and motions again for quiet and prepares to make his charge at the sleeping beast hoping that first off these new strangers don't have ill intent and if they do that they will perhaps be dissuaded by a display of strength
2: abathar seeing that. Even with the appearance of him and his sibling showing up has not deterred their quarry from going after their hunt. Being a hunter himself, he nods, motions towards the ox dragon, and begins to fade back into the background. And uh, you can barely hear him say, Proceed.
0: I'm going to ask that everybody roll, join battle.
3: So, Muzania has six.
0: Avatar is also
2: at six.
0: The Ox Dragon's at four. Elcius has a lot of initiative. Yes, why don't you talk us through very briefly what you're doing here.
1: Okay, so he already has Sensory Acuity Prana activated. He is using Awakening Eye to gain a full excellency to his initiative. He also has a specialization in Join Battle for Awareness and also Fast Reflexes Merit which ends up being 22 dice for join battle. Double nines, re-roll non-success dice for every 10 you roll, cascading with additional 10s. Alrighty. So with a shockingly bad roll, perhaps caused by the strange anxiety of not being alone, Alceus has 11 successes, or rather, 8 successes, 11 total initiative.
0: That means Alceus... As one initiative, which means you can reflexively activate your single point flashing in the deep style for ten motes, if you would like. I will do so. Is that peripheral or personal?
1: Uh, it's a combination. I have spent nine motes out of peripheral. I'm really just right there on the edge.
0: Okay, so with that mix, that means that your cast mark begins to glow as you enter your form. What does entering your form look like before you go ahead and roll your wits plus martial arts to roll join combat for your fist initiative reflecting the preternatural speed with which you are able to chain powerful strikes together
1: alcius's combat stance is a rather orthodox boxing kind of stance he has his right hand chambered loosely at his side while his left hand hovers almost snake-like, making small darting adjustments out in front of him. His left knee is bent, and much of his weight is thrust forward on that leg, whereas the right leg is posted back for stability and the preparation to launch his body forward.
0: Perfect. Roll that fist initiative.
1: Alcius's jabbing hand has four successes on initiative.
0: Actually, six, due to double nines. Bringing you to a total of nine initiative. Alceus will act, then Alceus's fist will act. What do you do with your first turn? This Ox Dragon is beginning to stir, but is, for all intents and purposes, asleep. It will be at a minus three to its defense this turn. And, to clarify, this Ox Dragon is essentially a Triceratops, if that was not clear. It is bellowing these large puffs of steam out of its nostril as it sleeps.
1: Alceus will activate liquid steel flow for a scene-long boost to his damage, and this brings him above 10 spent out of peripheral.
0: So it's every 5 you spend in an instance. How much did liquid steel flow cost? 5. So you do begin to burst with your anima. So let us know what colors that is. You are not yet iconic, so your totem is not visible, but the blend of colors unique to Alcaeus' soul are bleeding into light around his body.
1: Alcaeus' aura is a swiftly moving, almost tentative blur-like motion seen in dark water made from ocean hues occasionally cut through with flashes of burning silver. So as this aura becomes visible, it becomes sort of reflective of what is going on with the energies within Alcius's body. The wisps of quick-moving energy are occasionally caught up and pulled into the center of Alcius's body, where they branch out and seem to coil themselves into his thews increasing his strength and preparing to be released in an attack. And once the pressure of the internal energy seems to be close to a breaking point, he suddenly launches off of the ground. It is it is like running, but it is also like swimming. As he moves incredibly quickly through the air, just mere inches off of the ground, taking strides that are impossibly long as he digs one foot after
0: another into the ground. Go ahead and roll that attack and give yourself an automatic success and two dice for your stunt. All right. So that is 10 successes. The Ox Dragon had a defense of one because of the minus three for the surprise. So you have nine rollover successes. What is the damage value of your weapon at this particular moment in time? 22. So 31... Minus its soak of 13. Brings you to 18 dice for damage, I believe. So go ahead and roll 18 dice of damage. So 10 successes on this one. That drops the Ox Dragon's initiative to minus 6, which then increases your own initiative here to 31, because you gain 11 from having hit and dealt that damage bringing you to 22, plus you get your crash bonus, which is enhanced by your possession of the charm, one with violence, which grants you additional nine initiative. So what does it look like as you charge into this sleeping ox dragon and essentially render it incredibly vulnerable to all subsequent damage?
1: Alcius charges forward fast enough that it is difficult to track him With the eye, and throws his more powerful right hand strike in precise time with the step that he takes. So he is still running at full speed when he makes contact with the ox dragon. So it is almost as though he is using his leg to jump the motion of his punch right into the space behind the armored frill, such that the head will be snapped violently forward into the dirt with hopefully enough force to either cause damage to the creature's spine or perhaps concuss it
0: perfect as that happens we move on to the next turn which is your fist at nine initiative what do you do so alcius's
1: leading hand his jabbing hand snaps out right as the creature's head rebounds off of the ground in an attempt to time it such that the force of the bulk of its head coming back is combined with the normally lighter jab attack. Part of the fighting style that he has learned and helped to further develop in his time in his previous life is to make the left hand almost independent of the rest of the body and instinctual in the quick timing of its attacks to become a very unpredictable distraction during a fight. So it's not even as much that he planned it, it's just completely ingrained that this is the time that you would throw out an additional quick attack. And he
0: does. So that is 6 successes. 6 plus 22 is 28, minus 13 is 15 damage dice. I hope you listeners love that math. 8 successes. Well, that maneuver works very, very well. You catch its head on the up bounce, strike it back down into the ground, and cause the ox dragon itself to turn toward its belly, limply struggling to reorient itself. It is now wide awake and terrified as angry huffs and snorts begin to pour from its lips. It is now at negative 14 initiative, and your fist is at 18. The siblings are going to be acting on the same tick. What do you do?
2: Abathar sees this incredible display and burning light and essence coming off of Alseus, And he makes an audible, huh? And then you can see he pulls out a long cylinder that is his fire wand. And as the beast begins to, in a panic, look around for uh, somewhere to escape to, as it turns one way away from Alseus, he'll just give a shot of flame that goes across the uh, front of the beast. So it turns back, having to face All Alrighty.
0: Is that a withering or a decisive attack? That is uh,
2: going to be a gambit where I'm going to give my initiative to Alseus. Cool. Uh, with my withering attack
0: nice go ahead and give an attack roll to see if you hit for this gambit then i'm going to say it's going to be a difficulty three take an additional two dice for your stunt six successes all righty go ahead and roll your six dice of initiative for the gambit you have hit let's see if you as they say get it off that is four so what's going to happen here is we're going to take that 6 that you rolled to hit and add that to your base damage of 15. So you have 21 minus 13. So that gives you 8 damage dice, and all the successes are going to Alceus.
2: So that's 8. This is a trick that Abathar normally uses in the hunting parties that he goes on when they're going for a prey of this size, is to always keep them turning around and never give them a way out. Mm -hmm. So he is very well versed in how to do this.
0: The Ox Dragon is bathed in flame as it is further dazed and rolling looking, seeing Alsaeus in front of him. And the Ox Dragon drops down to negative 22 initiative. Alsaeus, bless his heart. Is it 40? Muzinia, what are you going to do with your turn?
3: The same thing.
0: (laughs) But you don't have a flame piece, so what does your attack look like?
3: Muzania is actually going to roll themselves into a ball and roll around the ring of fire, kind of, to carry the fire around the brush a little bit and make sure that the prey is trapped. It ain't going nowhere. And as they are traveling, the quills on their back go from being hedgehog-like to porcupine-like, and some of them pike themselves into the ground, basically fencing it in.
0: Perfect. That's awesome. Go ahead, and I'll give you a two-dot stun on that one. So, roll your accuracy, as though this were a decisive attack.
3: Two successes plus the autos, that's only three.
0: It's okay. It has a defense of negative two. So, roll your six dice of initiative to see if you get your gambit off. Three. You have also activated your gambit. What is your base damage?
3: Eleven.
0: So, unfortunately, because the Ox Dragon has such a strong carapace, you will only be rolling one die of damage.
3: Ah! That was a success, though!
0: (laughs) Congratulations. Ox Dragon is at negative 23, and (laughs) Alceus is at 42.
3: (laughs) So worth it.
0: So, you have essentially created this flaming perimeter with spikes on the backside of the Ox Dragon. It has been so overwhelmed and flustered this round, and it has just woken up. This has happened so quickly, first round of combat, it's not actually getting its action this round. So we cycle into the top of the next round at 42 <laughs> for Alceus.
1: So Alceus seizing this moment to attempt to fully disable and kill this creature, activates Thunderbolt Attack Prana. He actually skips back a goodly distance from the creature to give himself space to charge forward again as he seems to somehow take an additional step immediately in the wake of a normal step briefly vanishing as he suddenly clears the distance to his target in just less time than seems even possible and brings the full force of his body and acceleration and all his chambered energy crashing forth in one lethal movement.
0: So here's the deal. This attack roll, there's not a point in you rolling it with liquid steel flow. You have an automatic success because of the height of your initiative, which automatically clears you to roll your damage. So go ahead and roll 42 dice for me. (laughs) That, audience, was a jar-assisted roll.
1: 19 successes, so I believe that makes it 38 damage.
0: That does indeed make it 38 damage. Though the Ox Dragon has the Legendary Size feature, you have doubled your damage, which circumvents that. You have completely overfilled its health track. You've done about one and a half times its massive amount of health. What does it look like as you finish your hunt daylight is hardly even fully broken over the horizon and your hunt is complete
1: at the end of the heartbeat for which Elsius was no longer visible he comes back into focus having driven his fist into the side of the creature's neck behind its frill severing the spine at the brainstem level, immediately canceling the beast's ability to breathe or have its heart beat. Alcius looks down at the fallen beast, huge and ultimately innocent, and lays a hand upon its armored frill with a downcast expression, a respectful apology for the necessary cruelties of the hunt. And looking to the changing sunlight simply prepares to strike the carcass apart so
0: that it can be carried. Thank you so much for listening to Swallows of the South. If you'd like to get in touch with the show or ask Quinn any questions, feel free to contact us at our email at swallowsofthesouth at gmail.com. We can also be found on Twitter at Swallows of South and on Facebook and Tumblr at Swallows of the South. Our theme song is new by Elvis Herod If you'd like to help the show out, feel free to leave us a five-star rating or review on iTunes, or check our Patreon. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next Tuesday.